Hey everyone and welcome to 121 in Flux, I'm Peter, that is Connor and we talk about movies on this show and this episode is a semi-special one because it is our monthly voting episode, our patrons vote for one movie a month for us to talk about and the theme for the vote this month was films by Christopher Nolan because of course he's got Dunkirk coming out uh, later this week in fact. Uh, well, later this week, if you're on Patreon, you're getting this a week early. If you're not on Patreon, then it just came out that weekend, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Dunkirk's coming out, and we wanted to do a Nolan film, so we put up the vote on Patreon, and uh, they picked Memento, which of course was probably his first big movie. It's not his first movie, of course, following, which is his really sort of low-budget movie uh, that he made a few years before that, uh, which is pretty good, by the way. Uh, we'll probably do that someday anyway. We'll probably do all these someday anyway. But uh, we, you know, Memento on the vote, so we're going to do Memento. Of course, it's the film starring Guy Pierce. It's a film that is notorious because it goes backwards. So very, in, in terms of pitches to people to like try and convince them to watch something, why should you watch Memento? It goes backwards. And then people go, oh, what? <laughs> Say that again? <laughs> see, see how something goes backwards and forwards. Uh, that, that always gets them interested. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about Memento. Uh, we'll start spoiler free as we typically do, and then we will warn you before. So, some usually somewhere in the middle, usually just before halfway, uh, we'll warn you about spoilers before we actually go into that. So uh, don't worry about that. So full spoilers for uh, not full spoilers. Sorry, what am I doing? No, no. We'll warn you later about spoilers. We're still spoiler free. I'm just an all, I'm an autopilot. All right, I'm an autopilot. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Memento. And uh, I like this a lot. I love it even like before we even start talking about details. Uh, it's so fantastic. I assume you like it as well. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what is Memento? Memento is a film about a character who suffers from a memory condition. Specifically, he cannot create new memories. He remembers his life up until a point, up until a certain instance, uh, which was the death of his wife, uh, in which he was also injured, and the injury he had got caused this new condition where he can't develop new memories so he'll be fine for maybe i mean it varies i mean i think that in the film they, they specify it as being about him losing focus once he loses focus and sort of loses track of what he's doing that's when it kind of resets uh but basically he will keep forgetting what what he's just been doing and has been doing since the moment he, he had the illness or at the at the injury that caused the illness and uh that's kind of it so Really what the movie does is because it wants to emulate that for the audience, the idea that we don't know what he's just been doing, uh, it goes backwards. So we start at the end of the story and we keep going back. And that way we never know what he just did either. And it keeps us in the same place as the character. It's clever because every scene essentially opens with him waking up or realising that he's just remembering again, you know, like he's just started mm. afresh. And he's blank on what's happened before, of course, by the nature of it. But so are we. It's very clever. Yeah, it's, 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 I think when it comes to narrative structure, uh, this is obviously obviously a very extreme concept in terms of narrative structure. Obviously, some directors play with, oh, we'll tell things out of order, we'll jump around, and we'll have some flashbacks, whereas this is very... No, no, we have a very dedicated idea that this is just going to keep going backwards. And obviously, there's some stuff going forwards as well. There's some intercut stuff in black and white. The, you sort of get quickly get the idea that that's going forwards, and at some point, it's going to meet the coloured stuff in the middle somewhere. Uh, or towards the end, perhaps. The but, middle of the story. Middle of the story, yeah. End of the movie, but middle of the story. Uh, so so it sets up this puzzle 
that you're kind of piecing together and you're, you're you're slowly getting more information throughout each of the scenes as to okay what's going on who are these characters why does he have this condition what is his mission uh so on and so forth and a big theme of the movie or a big technique of the movie is that he he writes down a lot of notes some of which are on his body's tattoos uh with facts on it that he needs to remember he takes polaroids of people because this is main 2000 before taking you know pictures with your phone was a normal thing it's funny how different this would be uh, if it was yeah, made, just... but, but he'd have to leave his phone unlocked because he'd never remember the passcode. That is true, unless it was something that was really obvious, like he's, he's like a year that he would already mean something to him. Yeah, or a thing, or just get a fingerprint one. Oh yeah, if it was present day, yeah, it could have now. One. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking like uh, if it was just made ten years later, even it would yeah. already be so different because like, come twenty ten, it's you know phones yeah. everywhere. Um, but so that, that's how the movie plays out, and it plays a lot with your expectations. There is some humor in there, sprinkled throughout. There's a couple of really funny moments that really crack me up. Yeah, a lot of the humor comes from, you know, the the scene opening with whatever, and then the the neck when the next scene ends, and you realize what what happened. Yeah, I, either that or it'll be one of the other characters having fun with him because he can't remember things, and that'll yeah. be maybe a little bit of source of humor. Uh, you, you get some of that. Uh, the film itself, though, in terms of like the overall tone, obviously it's, it's a very sort of broody tone. It's, it's got a very sort of melancholic vibe to it because it's obviously it's this guy who basically wants revenge because his wife was raped and murdered. So naturally, it's not a fun going, happy go lucky movie. It's just kind of it's not ultra dark, but it's definitely got this air of kind of sadness about it, where he's he's constantly trying to achieve this goal, but he's also constantly dealing with the fact that he he's lost his wife and. This is one of the things that I think the film explores that I find really fascinating is the idea that he can't like he can't mourn and get over it because it it's fresh every it's, time. It's he, perpetually just happened to him. Yeah, it it keeps reveal, just revealing itself to him, and well, he has it, to deal with it. It's like that that old saying, you know, "Time heals all wounds." But, how, how, but yeah, if you don't experience time because you, you you keep resetting your memory, then how can you possibly yeah, heal? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. It's clever. Uh, I think that's one of the movie's biggest strengths: how everything plays into that idea. Hmm. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Because I, th- I think it's very easy to look at this movie if you hear about it and go, oh, it goes backwards. Oh, that sounds like a gimmick and like, like, and arguably it is, but it's a pretty damn good one because it, everything about it aids the story. Yeah, uh, like I don't mind gimmicks when they have a function, and this does because it it puts you in his mindset. Yeah, that's it. Like you, you don't know where he's been. Neither does he. That's it. You're you're on the same page as him at all times. It puts you in his mindset. It also makes for a good mystery element because it reveals more stuff as you go. There's, there's some stuff that's set up very early on about okay, like cause it, because he takes these photographs and you keep seeing them pop up. You're like, okay, where was that one taken? Why did he write that thing on it? Because he writes yeah. little notes on them to say, oh, trust this person, don't trust that person, that kind of thing. And it, it it keeps you guessing, like, oh, where was that taken? Why? And one of the photographs specifically has something scribbled out, and it's like, oh, what's scribbled out? Why is it scribbled out? Yeah, yeah, what was it? Yeah, and it, it plays with these ideas, like, you know, who can he trust? Can he trust anyone? A big thing about the character, uh, uh, Leonard's his name, played by Guy Pearce, he doesn't like to talk to people on the phone because part of who he is, he has to kind of look people in the eye because he has to trust his instincts if he can trust someone or not because he never remembers if he can. <laughs> he can't yeah. trust his memory, so he has to trust something else. Uh, and, you know, we, we learn about his backstory, how he used to be a, an insurance investigator. He used to try and see through people's bullshit and he says that helps him now and that kind of thing. So a lot of that plays into it. Uh, but it's just like, you know, who can he trust and all that kind of thing. And that, that, that's really what a big sort of mechanic of the movie is and, 
what what keeps it constantly engaging in a kind of you know just in a, a basic sort of suspense and thrilling kind of way like just on the surface that's the the drama of what's happening but then there's all these undertones of uh, stuff we'll get to in the spoilers that I don't want to even bring up uh, yeah. in this section because it's just pure spoilerville but uh, yeah there's a it's a really fun story that's and I think looking at his previous film following and then looking forward to something like The Prestige and even uh, Dunkirk what I'm hearing about that is that that's got a very that plays with narrative structure as well it really feels like it's something Nolan himself wants to sort of play with and like experiment with as he's, he's gone through his career and he's like okay I want to try and you know shake this up how, how does changing this around make for a more engaging story uh, and it's it's really interesting. In fact, well, one of my criticisms, not of the movie itself, but of uh, some of the DVDs and Blu-rays come with an extra on it, where it'll play the film in chronological order. And I I cannot fathom why you would want to ever watch this in chronology, because it would take away from... I think just as a, a curiosity, more than anything, I think that's the only reason. But you you agree that it would take away all of the drama? Oh, absolutely. It, would yeah. be, it wouldn't be the same film at all, but I think it would be just interesting to see not not as it wouldn't be as good a film of course it wouldn't be the same thing at all but i think it'd just be interesting to experience it i think i think by its nature to make keep it simple enough for us to understand going backwards by its own nature it would almost be boring going forward yeah it has to be kept relatively simple i think the scenes themselves obviously there is a flow overall but i think a lot of the scenes themselves function really well because they work on their own as their own little two-minute story yeah uh, and it keeps it that simple but there's these start and end points that link them together but because uh, I, I think if it was a really complicated story it would be hard to follow and that's not to say the movie's simple it's not it's very complicated because of all these other factors but the, the actual core story is actually really if you actually sat down and wrote it out in chronological order and said okay this happens and this happens and this happens it's pretty straight it's not, it's not, it it's is, not yeah, yeah. Um, and that's okay because uh, it's made inventive by a lot of these other things uh of course, mainly the the structure. So yeah. uh, it's really good. Uh, one thing I'd forgotten, I always forget how much I like it, is the music. Uh, I yeah. really like the score to this. Yeah, it's got a great minimalist thing going on. Minimalist, and like I say, that, that, that feeling of melancholy and sadness is in there, but with like a momentum that's sort of, like he's got a drive, but it comes from this really sad place. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's very much there. Uh, so I I really like the score. I always I, I always it always puts me right in the mood because it always you know it plays over the opening titles. Uh, the film starts with the the slow, uh, the Polaroid developing sort of backwards. Actually, it's going backwards. Yeah. It starts off developed and it it fades back to black or white or whatever. And uh, that's that's kind of how we start the movie. We actually start the movie with a scene playing in reverse, which well yeah, it just tells you it's just to go look. This is going backwards, so that that's in your mind. Then when you you watch two scenes, you go oh it's backwards. Yeah, yeah. I often wonder actually when you tell someone that the movie goes backwards and then they watch this, they watch it and they see the opening scene, they go, "What do you mean it literally goes backwards <laughs> the whole time?" Uh, I often wonder if people have that misconception until it gets to the the next couple of scenes. Yeah, I find it really interesting that backwards scene that the sound effects still play forwards. Hmm. Uh, I guess it's just because it's so you can place it. Yeah, you know, like, probably. Because like, it's. You can see it going backwards, and it's fine. But if you hear something going backwards, it's completely different. As, uh, yeah, it may just be a simple case of it's so we still understand what the sounds are. Yeah, even though you can see yeah. them, and so that may be a silly statement, but it's so you it's so you don't end up sounding like you're in like 
Twin Peaks. Like <laughs> they yeah. wanted, yeah, they still exactly. wanted it to sound normal. So if you played it backwards, it would sound really because even words, if you play a word backwards, it sounds. I, I think there is one. I think the guy shouts, and that's backwards. Like just one word. Yeah, well, right. that's, that's probably because yeah. that'd be really obvious to tell that it's not going the right direction. Whereas everything else, your mind just kind of makes it yeah. fit. Like, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so that, I think that's fair. Um, so, no, cast very good. Uh, Guy Pierce uh, plays Leonard. Uh, he 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 has a tough job because he has a character who again has to kind of reset constantly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Essentially, he has to play and react to different things, but from the same starting point. That's it, because he has to react to the same people over and over again, but not change, but at the same time, keep it fresh. Keep it, keep it fresh. Obviously, context is a big difference. Like, you know, if the character greets them at a door, or does they greet them already hiding in their car? Like, those two different scenarios play out very differently. Uh, yeah. Carrie Ann Moss is in here as a character called Natalie. Um, I can't really say much about what two no, she is. No, she, she's fascinating. She, yeah, she's definitely interesting. Uh, Joe Pantoliano, uh, or Joey Pants, is a uh, he's known amongst friends. Not that I'm his friends, but it's easier to say, so I, I just steal it because it's an easier name. Uh, I like him a lot. Uh, I've been a fan of him. Uh, interesting that both of those actors were in the Matrix just a year, bef- a couple of years before this. Yeah. Uh, so that's a sort of weird coincidence, but uh, I, I actually know know him growing up. He was in The Goonies. He's he's got a part in The Goonies, so I kind of. Okay. Uh, he's an actor that I've just seen pop up over the years, but uh, he's really good. Um, and that's kind of our main trio. There's some obviously other bit parts that come in here or out, but those are our main three. Uh, we're with Guy Pierce, I think, in every single scene. There's not a scene of this movie that he is not a part of. It never cuts away to someone else. It's always from his perspective. Yeah, I can't think of any. No, nah, there's not. It always sticks with him. So he very much is the the star uh, of, the, of the whole thing. Like he 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 carries the whole thing on his back. I think if he was giving a terrible performance, the entire thing would just completely crumble. Yeah, absolutely, because so much of it revolves around him, like you say, that it's it's got to be great, otherwise it's just, it's 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 noticeable if there's anything wrong. Yeah, but luckily he does give this very nuanced performance where, like you say, he's reacting the same way, but there's just these subtle little differences depending on like yeah. where, where he is, how the person's talking to them. Exactly. That kind of thing, and then the movie plays with that as well. It, it deliberately plays with multiple introductions of the same character to him. Yeah, and do you know what? Something else I really like that he does really well is the um, there's these voiceovers every so often, mm. like just his thoughts, and I think he does those really well. Like they yeah. add a lot. Yeah, uh, worth mentioning though that is only in the the black and white segments. That's never in the yeah the backwards segments. Uh, so, yeah. Um. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to think of what else to talk about without spoilers. Uh, cast's good, music's good. Uh, it's very well shot. Uh, it's uh, it feels very cinematic. Uh, yeah. I, I think some of the simple little tricks that Nolan uses to feel like the. It's kind of like obviously we start and end the scenes with things we've already seen because we always start one yes. scene with the the end of the previous scene or vice versa, whatever way around. It's <laughs> just confusing to think about in my head, uh, but. It does this, or and even just some something simple is establishing a location because we we constantly return to the same locations. There's a certain house we always return to. There's a sort of abandoned building we keep going back to. There's a motel that we obviously keep going back to. It's where Leonard's staying, and each one, especially some of these places and some of the cars as well, we keep coming back to because it, it keeps playing with this idea that certain items and places are important, 
and yeah. they're documented by Leonard, so they're important to us. But the, even just the way the filmmaking, like when they go to the abandoned building the first time, the, the camera does the slow, slow track in, and it just lets you know that the place is important. It's not just on a location; it's, it's somewhere of significance, and it is a very significant place. It's significant multiple times throughout the movie. Yeah, I think it's a very refined piece of camera work. Mm. It's it's rarely doing anything fancy, but it's very much confident in what it is doing, and it's it's subtle movements that sell it most of the time. Oh yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of close ups. Yeah, a lot of close ups because we stay really close to close to Leonard, and the the camera work kind of emulates that by making us feel like it is a personal story. It's constantly on him. Um, constantly on his face, constantly on his hand. Obviously, he's got he's got these tattoos uh, with memories on them, so he constantly gives us close ups of him uh, in a variety yeah. of ways. So, no, so that, that's a big so the, the stylistic sort of approach to it is very very much like that uh, throughout B- both, and I think even the black and white segments as well. That that goes even more in close. I feel like that was almost entirely tight shots. Yeah, it was because most of the black and white stuff is in like one room. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's very much like you you barely even see the edges of the room at most times. You're you're very much just on him. Yeah, it's on his face, it's on his hand. Is maybe he's doing something, that kind of stuff. But it is it is very tight with everything. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's very good. I, I like the ending. The ending opens a lot of th- thoughts up. I think what I love about the ending is that it completely changes the start of the movie, which of course is the end of the story. Yeah. But it completely changes everything that you've learned, the whole movie. It's like, oh, okay, it, it's all different. Yeah, 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 it makes you go back. And it's, it's a movie that really benefits from repeat viewings because the yeah. second time you go into it, you go into it with all this knowledge and you're, you're looking for all these hints and little ideas and all these things. And uh, I, I think that really helps it. But So that, that's quite spoilers then. Let's just go full spoilers for Memento. Um, and I, th- I think the first thing we're probably going to talk about is how the ending changes everything and how it. Just because yeah. it really affects things, and it really because throughout the movie he tells you the story of Sammy Jenkins. There's a tattoo on his hand that says "Remember Sammy Jenkins." He tells everyone the stories about Sammy Jenkins. Sammy Jenkins was a man with a, the same condition as him. Whilst he was working insurance, uh, investigating insurance, he investigated his claim. Uh, he was trying to see if he was faking. So he did. He, he spoke to him. He had all his tests, and he uses him. It's basically it's a really smart way of doing some exposition. It's like okay, there was someone else like me. And I'm going to explain what he was like, and that's how I kind of that's how even though I shouldn't have new memories, I understand what's what's going on with me because I remember him. So yeah. it, it you know it, it explains it. He couldn't make new memories like it, you know more than a few minutes. He would you wouldn't be able to watch the TV like so he liked commercials because they were short. All that kind of idea talks about how uh, he was with his wife. He, he was a, he was a doctor. He could give her insulin shots without even thinking about it. But you know so anything he could do anything he knew how to do beforehand, but he couldn't make new memories. Uh, and he talks about investigating him and all the rest of it, and he always brings him up. He he like so so often where like when he mentions it to other characters, they go, "I'm sick of hearing a Sammy." Like stop telling yeah. me about Sammy. Like it's, it's a constant thread throughout the throughout the movie. And likewise, we we hear and see kind of quick flashes of the the event that killed his wife. The, the, the there was intruders in the house. He woke up out of bed, went to the bathroom, and she was you know had a bag over her head, and he gets his head hit. And, you know he shoots one guy, but the other one who hits some gets away. And that's who this, you know, this John G that he's been trying to track down because he's, he's got some key facts. He knows he's a John or a James, last name G. He, you know, he knows he's white, knows he's a male, and a few other things. And obviously, one of the big plot points in the movie is he's got a license plate number as well, yeah, uh, which is a new bit of information which we see him getting 
uh, tattooed towards the end of the film. So it sets up all this stuff, and it really. I mean, I think first of all, if you if you were going to critique it without the the reveal at the end or without what it hints at at the end, you'd maybe say, "Oh, it's a bit coincidental that he knew a guy that had <laughs> had the same condition uh, yeah. as him." Uh, it's a bit coincidental, but obviously the ending really sets up this idea. It really makes you ponder this because I think the whole movie is really about is he like he's constantly testing the, the how how much he can trust everyone else, how yeah. trustworthy is everyone around him. He never stops to ponder, "Am I trustworthy to myself?" Uh, and right, that's... It, it starts early on. He says, "You know, you learn to trust your handwriting because you have to because it's, it's only yourself that you can trust." So he he is completely confident that. He, whatever he's told himself is the truth because as far as he's concerned why wouldn't it be yeah and it's the big theme in the movies that you know do, do you lie to yourself to get to get through something and all all these kind of ideas and so the movie like you know teddy uh, uh joe pantalino's character who's a cop who's been sort of i mean he's, he's kind of ambiguous throughout the movie as to what, what his purpose is or what his intentions are what he's using Leonard for uh, we know it says don't trust his lies or don't believe his lies on the back of his photo. So yeah, obviously, so, he's, so we're always doubting him the entire movie. Yeah, we're always doubting him. And the funny thing is, is he's probably the most truthful person at the end of the film. Like he actually gives us what I have no reason to doubt is accurate because it feels that Leonard doubts it because it's stuff he doesn't want to believe. He doesn't want to hear it. Absolutely. I think there's even a, a, a little filmmaking trick that confirms it pretty much. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of little little techniques uh, towards the end that kind of yeah again lead you in a certain direction as to what to believe and what not to believe. But uh, he he's like, yeah, I'm a cop, and how how are you going to even know when you get revenge? How are you going to even know when you've killed this John G? And he's like, no, I'll know. I'll just deep down, I'll just know. He's like, see, I thought you would too, but you didn't. And it's like, oh shit. Um, and it. Obviously, this is a big thing, and it's like, wait, what? And you get the idea that, you know, Teddy's been using him for various jobs because he knows he can trick him into doing this because he'll just believe it and he'll want the revenge. And, like, it'll give him that feeling of satisfaction again for, you know, however fleeting brief a moment it might be before he's he's back to yeah. back to being, you know, forgetful. But it's fascinating stuff because he talks about how it was Leonard's wife that was diabetic, and how mm. this whole John G business, like it, it really implies that he, like there was no John G, there was no second person, not really. Like yeah. he killed his wife, not intentionally, but he killed his wife through the the diabetic medication, the, the insulin, and to get over it, he basically has conditioned himself with repetition to you know remember Sammy Jenkins, remember all this stuff, uh, writing on his body, John G raped and murdered your wife. It, it almost makes you you know it really puts the question in your mind: Was that a lie that he told yeah, himself? Yeah, the idea of this has been tattooed onto himself. Why would he do that if he wasn't absolutely certain? But yeah. then it's because he wants to believe it. He wants to. Yeah, he, he needs a boogeyman that's not him. He needs someone that he can chase after. Exactly. And he doesn't have to feel the guilt for it because he, he's got this enemy. And it, it does really make you ponder that it's not necessarily that he, he can't actually make new memories entirely. Like It's, it's not entirely. like Clearly he has re- repeated enough stuff often enough that certain elements are... They're sticking. They're sticking after a while, yeah. Like you say, repetition and 
yeah. that kind of idea. Like eventually, stuff does start to stick. The fact, the fact, because even that's a big thing that he, he tells us throughout the, the the phone call narration throughout the black and white segments. He tells, "Oh, through repetition, through routine, you pick things up." So it's when he wakes up, he always knows to check these pockets for photos. Like that's a new thing. It's not like he did that before he had this this condition. This right, is a new... He's, he has taught himself to do that. Yeah, he always checks the drawer beside the bed, and he expects a Bible. He even says, like, at one point he wakes up in the middle of the movie, he's like, oh, there'll be a Bible in here. He expects it. Yeah. So again, he's clearly taking in some things with enough repetition. Um, so the idea that he, he has, and obviously there's little glimpses in the final scene as he's driving of his wife hugging him, and he already has some tattoos. Yeah. So I mean, I think that's clear. Clearly, that's like the sign that says, "No, no, look, there's there's truth to this." But even before that scene, as Teddy's telling them all this stuff, and it it really it all kind of makes sense, especially when the scene concludes and he makes his decision. You know what? If I'm going to lie to myself and make myself feel better, I can do it with you. You're a, you're a John G, and that's when he writes on the back of it, "Don't believe his lies." And it's when he he looks at his license plate, like because that's the thing throughout all this movie. And then on the first viewing, of course, you're thinking, "Oh, where did he get this license plate? Where did that come from?" And it's literally he just sees it on his car and says, "I'm going to hunt you." And yeah, it's it like it just it just out of spite for telling him the truth, basically. Yeah, and you know, there's things to, that confirm to us that she's like, "Why else would he?" Yeah, you know, he has no benefit to lying. Uh, there's that shot, you know, where he's in the 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 the, the home, and it, you cut, and you see him, him there instead. Yeah. So as you know, there's enough there, and, and obviously to do with the you know, with the the wife, and it's like there's there's enough there that we go, yeah, we believe this. Why why wouldn't we? But yeah, he it, just he just can't accept it. It goes back to that moment uh, when he pinches her leg. And then it's like the same spot where he jabs her with the the, the, yeah. the injection, and you, 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 all these little things sort of start to add up. And it's the idea of this guilt, and she was the one who was depressed because he couldn't remember things, and maybe that adds to the guilt that he, he got that feeling from her as well that he describes yeah. with because because it does sound like there was a Sammy uh, perhaps because he mentions that Sammy didn't have a wife. Uh, you know, Teddy says yeah, that. Yeah, so I do think there was a Sammy. Yeah, which is interesting because uh, I'd forgotten he'd said that, and as I was watching it this time, I was like, "Oh, maybe Leonard is just Sammy, like that is his name." Yeah, but then yeah. he says that at the end, and I'm like, "Okay, maybe not." Maybe okay, I, there I was considered a Sammy. that as well because it's been a while since I'd watched it, and yeah. you know, I, I didn't remember that exact line either. And it was, but then I was like, "But he remembers too much about his life to have changed his name." I think to change details, I get, yeah. but to change his entire identity seems like a lot. Yeah, he's he's basically merged his past with Sammy's to form yeah. this this story to give himself a boogeyman to to chase down. And it, you know, from the sounds of it, he's killed several people named John G. Yeah, this this guy at the end was just the latest. Yeah, he, he had the first one, and then obviously at the start of the movie, the the, the actual latest is Teddy. <laughs> That's yeah. the actual latest uh, in terms of chronological order. Uh, um, so. No, it's fascinating stuff because it ultimately turns the movie into a. It's a story about lying to yourself to not deal with your own guilt. That's ultimately what the movie turns into. It's to make him feel better about his condition because his condition got his wife killed. Yeah. And it's to make himself feel better about that. And it's actually a really fascinating, it's a really dark story. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think it's saying how, how destructive for people around you that can be if, you don't, if you're not honest with yourself. Because, you know, this. Teddy is maybe not uh, a good person. He's he's morally 
Oh yeah, well he's he's trying to do a drug dealer out of two hundred grand. <laughs> so sure, he's... yeah. So he's definitely a bit of a corrupt cop, mm-hmm. but he's he's not evil. I, I don't think it never presents him as that untrustworthy. Sure, he's a weasel. Yeah, but probably not someone who deserves to be killed. Pro- probably not. I mean. Whatever. I, I I think it's not really important if he deserves it or not. Really, it's not really the. Well, no, no. But yeah. I, I just I get that the idea is that he he's so convinced of lying to himself that it literally just costs another person their life that oh, didn't yeah. really have to, I mean, yeah. just because he couldn't be honest and, and couldn't accept the truth. Yeah. So so instead of just killing his wife, he's now killed countless. Yeah, many yeah we, we'll never know. And so one of, one of some of the ideas it plays with that I really like. I really like the idea that he has no idea how long it's been, because yeah. Uh, I think that's a really fascinating idea. I also I love the scene where he goes out to burn her stuff, and he says, and this is my favorite line in the entire movie: "Is I can't remember to forget you." That is a fantastic line. It is. It's a fantastic it's line because it, it it just turns the words against each other. It's just a beautiful uh, sort of almost contradiction of words. It's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. It's great. Um, so a good name for a song. It is, isn't it? Should be a I'm song. Surprised no one stole on that. Good name for a song. Uh, my favourite funny line in the movie, actually, my favourite comedy moment, is actually, it's when uh, Leonard says, uh, this gun must be uh, his. We saw him, I think, Dodd. He's like, this gun must be his. They shouldn't let someone with my, my condition walk around with a gun. And he walks off screen and Terry's like, I should definitely hope not. <laughs> <laughs> that just cracked me up. I thought it was a really funny line. No, there is a lot of humour in little moments like that. Yeah. That was good stuff. Obviously, that, that scene where he, th- he thinks he's chasing Dodd. And then he realizes, yeah. oh wait, no, he's chasing me. Like so, there's some humor prepared throughout to sort of lighten the mood here or there. But one of the things I love about the the ending and the sort of the reveal that he is probably just lying to himself and everything that he's been doing has been a lie. Is again, it comes back to that that when I was talking about the music and how that idea of melancholy and sadness is kind of there. And because throughout the whole movie, it feels like it's, oh, it's like a it's a rip roaring thriller where he's after the the killer of his wife. But it, the, the sadness kind of un- underscores it all doesn't feel quite right to that story. It feels like there's something more to it. That's it, because you always just assume it's, oh, his grief's still fresh because he can't move on. But then it's at the end where you learn it's just, it's so much more than just grief. Yeah. It's it's the regret. It's regret, it's guilt, it's it's, it's everything. Like, it's... I think what makes it so beautiful as well, in a really dark way, is how complex it is, because it is so many mixed things. It's... It's, yeah. it's shame about his own condition. Because um, you see, like, the the one time we see him get physically angry in the entire entire story, it's when Natalie calls him a retard. And she says a lot of nasty things about his wife as well. But she, she repeatedly calls him a freak and uses all these harsh words and like makes him feel small because of his condition. Makes him feel like he can't function. Yeah. And, uh, it was, and, he, and there's a couple of times as well when he's talking about how the cops didn't listen to him afterwards because uh, he had brain damage. He has like a little. It's almost a comedy line where he says, uh, "It's amazing what a little brain damage does to your credibility." Yeah, uh, and you know that, that moment with Natalie where she calls him a freak. It adds so much to the the opening of the movie because you know the last thing that Teddy says to him is he calls him a freak, and that's the moment where it, where he kills him. Uh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and it's like like it adds so much to that where it's you know it's like oh now now he's kind of justified it to himself in the moment. Yeah, one of the things I love about the the whole him creating the mystery for himself is, you know, when Teddy says, oh, you, like, when I gave you that police file with everything in it, it was full. 
And you know, earlier on in the movie, when we see we see Leonard go through it, there's there's like redacted segments that have been blacked out. Yeah, I think there's like twelve pages or something. Yeah, well, there's twelve pages, but there's also just like pages with bits missing as well. You see yeah. him as he, as he's going through it. There's stuff that's been removed, and as and like he brings up, like you you did that yourself. That's what it implies that like you actually went through this and gave yourself. You took away the information that disproved anything you didn't want to believe, and yeah. you like you created this 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 wild goose chase. Uh, do you know what I love about the you know we're talking about the feelings of you know guilt and 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 regret and it's like but he genuinely did have that illness he didn't know what he was doing he didn't realize that he was oh, killing yeah. her but 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 that guilt there of, of something he had no control over has turned him into an active killer multiple times yeah yeah I love, I love the idea as well that it, it didn't just redact all this in one at one time. Like every like every single because we seen like with with Teddy the, the path that sent him to Teddy was just one little one little thing there's a license plate and then one thing written in the photograph. I like the idea that every time he's done he's taken another page out or he's redacted another paragraph it's because oh I want X person to be the target or something yeah, like that. It's, it's it's basically every every time he's got someone out of the picture it's like right I need to get rid of one one thing. Yeah. To make it a little bit more vague every time, so that there's always someone else that can fit the the, the profile. Yeah, I, I think I think I like that idea. It's really yeah. good. Yeah, we should mention as well. You do you get that brief shot where you see her alive, like the wife. Uh, you know, because we keep seeing her with the uh, the bag over her head in the bathroom, and then yeah. after at the end when Teddy's telling her all this, telling him all this stuff, you see her actually open her eyes, and there's actually a little, there's a quick glimpse of that as well earlier on before all this stuff comes up, where you see her open her, mm. like you see her blink her eye behind the bag. Yeah. Uh, which is a little bit of foreshadowing, which uh, is is pretty cool. Uh, and we mentioned the scene where he burns all the stuff. But the scene before that, or well, technically after that, given that we're going backwards, uh, with the the prostitute who uh, he hires just to because he talks a lot about her waking up and the the bed's cold, so he he kind of knows deep down she's not there anymore. So he hires the prostitute to lie in the bed so it's still warm, and he, he feels yeah. it and he sees the clock and then he he goes into the bathroom and that's when he just sees the hooker <laughs> like doing cocaine. Yeah, I like that scene. It's a it's a powerful moment because it's like you know he's hired someone just just to relive his worst memory. And he, do you know what my favorite part about it, though is that it's convincing to him because for him it it does feel like oh she is still alive like all all that nightmare is not real. And it then, makes it feel like it was just a dream basically. Yeah, and then he goes over to the door, and I love not only does he have that crushing feeling of that is real, it's this this self anger because he did this he tricked himself. He actually yeah. paid this woman to trick him so he could feel that for a minute. But then he's felt the loss all over again because, oh shit, it's real. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really it's really self-deprecating, isn't it? It's fantastic stuff. Uh, let's talk about the Natalie scene as well, actually. I love that she uses his illness against him. Because obviously you see the scene where she comes in. Because again, we're going in reverse. She comes in, she's she's got the, the bruised face, the bloody lip, and she's like, oh, this was Dodd, Dodd this to me. And that's what convinces Leonard that he's going to deal with Dodd for her. He's going to go and kill or yeah. beat up Dodd or whatever he's planning to do and she and she, she it's funny watching it again when he asked for a pen she's like oh there's one in my purse and she pulls it up from her purse it's really funny on a rewatch because I know that she took them all and put them in her purse but then, then we get the scene later that's the you know that's set before that she comes in and she confronts him she's confrontational she starts saying all those awful things she drops a C-bomb about his wife calls him a freak all these things uh, to the point where he's the one who punches her. Yeah, when you see him, but because because obviously the the scene before 
started with him searching for the pen, you know, frantically. Yeah, yeah, don't yeah. forget this. Don't forget this. Cause, and cause, then because she comes, comes in, in and she knows she's doing it because she takes all the pens first. She actually does yeah. that before she starts the conversation. And then yeah, she leaves and he's like, "Oh, don't don't forget, don't forget." And there's that shot of her just sitting waiting in the car. She's just sitting there waiting. It's actually yeah, it's just, so just long perfect. Enough. Yeah, it's just perfect. It's really devious. And obviously, as we go further back, we realize the reason why she's she's doing this with him is because Jimmy, her boyfriend, was who he kills at the start of the story, end of the movie. Start of the story, start of the story end of the movie. Yeah, because uh, he's wearing his suit. Because there's references, especially from Teddy, you shouldn't be in this car. Someone will recognize yeah. this car. You shouldn't be in that suit. And she thinks it's her boyfriend pulling up at first when she gets to the bar and it's actually him. And she knew he was making a deal with some guy called Teddy, so she, she actually goes along with helping him find this guy because uh, she wants to get to Teddy. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's it's really great stuff. But also that little, uh, little bit of foreshadowing is before it goes back to the scene where he does hit her, it, it does end the previous scene with him like, noticing his, his hand's a bit sore. Like, you can tell that he's he's punched something. Mm. Yeah, you're right. And it's a little bit of pondering. It's just like... And you almost get... Because obviously this comes before most of the events with Natalie in the movie... But it's or before like they happened in the timeline, but it's after we've seen all these extra, you know, her and the diner, them like spending the night together, like all these things happen after this in the story, yeah. And it it really adds this extra layer of like just deviousness. From yeah, her. just how manipulative she is. Because you know she she lies in bed with him. She she asks about his wife and she she pretends to care about all this stuff yeah and she says it like oh she like like they're close friends and he's told her this countless times already yeah it's almost like as well because uh teddy tries to talk him out of trusting her and you know because he he makes him write something and he deliberately writes it in a different handwriting so he knows that it's not to be trusted and then he scribbles it out and it's almost like him setting him on the path not to trust teddy is actively what helps him trust her more because he assumes the opposite of what he says yeah, even even though he was being honest. Yeah, even though he was right. Yeah, like it doesn't yeah. actually matter. Like he he sets him up to like believe her, even though he shouldn't. Uh, it's it's wonderfully complex, and it's uh, and it's motivations. Like I, yeah, I, I, I love I love it's that. It's all these subtleties that you know that you you just see what you see at first because it's what he sees. So you get this this very surface level, but every time you you get another layer. It's like, oh, that's different. And, you know, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper until they're completely different to what you thought they were at the start. Yeah, that's exactly what the movie is. Uh, and, yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I, I love I love Memento the first time I saw it. Um, I still love it, the faith, and it's, I've, I've grown an appreciation for it because I, I think what the movie actually hints at is a lot. I think the ending actually plays better on uh, repeat viewings than it does the first time. I agree, because I think the first time it's it's not bad, but it 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 feels like it comes out of nowhere a little bit more. Whereas on repeat viewings, you're noticing the subtleties a lot more. You, you're seeing it building to it, whereas the yeah. first time you're like, oh, that's what it was about. Yeah, it, it it just it doesn't quite have the hit the first time. But obviously, I've seen I, it several I think times. It's because at this point. typically, when you watch a film, you expect it to you know it builds to this climax. Whereas this isn't the climax. This is the start of the story that it's building to. So, on a first watch, it kind of just feels like it's it's kind of subverted that. To an extent, yeah, I think what you what you realize, especially on multiple viewings, is it's it's building to the emotional realization for him 
uh, even though it's not building and it's going backwards, but yeah. it's building to his emotional realization that he's lying to himself, and he kind of accepts that, but then he forgets it, which is the yeah, beautiful he cho- thing. He chooses to forget it. That's it, isn't it? And this is the beautiful thing about it, though, is that for for the rest of the movie, we're kind of sympathetic to him. We're on his side. We see him as a relatively decent person. And the funny thing is, is even though it turns out it's a lie and, he, and he's made this malicious choice, he doesn't actually remember doing that. His intentions for the rest of the scenes in the movie actually still play completely, completely they do. genuine. They do, but we know that person's there is the problem then. Oh, sure, that, sure. That, but that's it. it. We, we know when he's, when he's angry, like he was at, at the end of that movie, we see you know, that's, that's who he is. That's how, how vicious he can be. But it, and that's suddenly, what, I think that's partly why it works so well on a rewatch, though, is because though his intentions in all those scenes is still genuine. It's not even like it's pulled the rug out and went, "Oh no, no, no!" All along, he was this devious. Like, no, no, it, yeah. it just shows there's there's multiple sides to people. Like he can yeah. be this genuine person who has these convictions, but he can also be vicious depending on his mood. The the problem here is, you know, when his mood changes, he doesn't remember what his mood was before. Well, I, I think that's kind of kind of the point, though. I think anyone who does. Because it's not like a regular person who maybe has a slightly darker side, right? I think someone who goes to the, the, the breaking point where they get angry and kill someone for revenge, that changes their life forever. And they maybe keep going down a darker path and they get worse and they, they maybe succumb more to their dark side and they become this worse person. With him, he can't do that because it keeps resetting. So he just kind of reverts back to being his nice guy again. Or nice yeah, as he, he, is. Just, he, just, he just builds and builds and builds and then, oh, back to where I was. Yeah, so it, it's a really fascinating examination of what happens when you can't progress uh, down yeah. the rabbit hole, as it, as it were. And I'm not making a, a Matrix reference intentionally, it just kind of came out that way. Uh, <laughs> but, like, so I, I think that I think that's really fascinating, uh, that, that side to it. Because even on a rewatch, I don't, like, I'm not looking at them through all these earlier scenes and going, oh, you're an asshole, you're this vicious person. Because, because he's not, is he? That's it. He's, he's not. Yeah, he's a vicious person in a certain moment, and I think and everyone then, is in a moment. And, he, and even then, it's not like I think he was like that before. I think it is. It's it's the if it's his wife. It's the it's the it's the death of his wife that's made him that way. That's it. It's it's he can't deal with something in that moment, so he has to direct that anger somewhere. It's it's such a powerful thing that he's went through that he's done, and whenever he is confronted with that truth. That's when he becomes this. And it's not like, it's not like before when he was normal. I think he got this angry about random things and oh, had a not. temper and that kind of idea. I think that this is a coping mechanism for a guilt that you can't possibly deal with. Like, you know, imagine you accidentally kill a loved one. Yeah. And obviously, this is a really specific circumstance, but just just in a more normal sense, like say you accidentally, I I don't know you. Your, your your child was in the driveway behind you, and you just back up without looking, and then you're like, "Oh shit, I killed my five year old!" Like, imagine dealing with the guilt of like that, right? That is yeah. tremendous. I'm sure, it's happened. Oh, it probably has. I'm, I'm sure it has, I'm, and I'm even sure I've seen it in a movie, uh, which is maybe where I'm where it's popped out of my head. But yeah, I'm just trying to think of the most obvious. I, I think yeah. a parent accidentally killing their child is probably the, the darkest you could go. Yeah, like it'd be the something like, you know, like accidentally banging their head on a wall or something. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, like on a corner of a wall or something like that. Yeah, yeah, like you're not actually trying to hit them; you're just trying to like put them out the way or something because they're maybe yeah. they're maybe they're near something dangerous, so you push them back and the, the back of their head hits the wall or something. Yeah. That you know, it just happens to kill them, and you you have to live with that guilt. Uh, like 
obviously from normal people again you get to progress you get to grieve over time now admittedly i think that's but like i say that's different from regular guilt in that it's so extreme it's such this gargantuan thing like you know if you're if you're a married parent your marriage is probably over you probably can't look at each other after that i, I, I think that's it though eventually like you say this is this is about not being able to move on i think in that eventually that person would have to try and well, accept eventually that it wasn't their no, fault. No, it's it was 50-50. It's 50-50. Like, either they're going to accept it and move on and eventually have a life, or they're going to go deeper in the dark on the hole and maybe commit suicide, maybe do something dark. Yeah. You know, I think there's, like, but it's a very different kind of not moving on, whereas this is a more cyclical... It's stuck in the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say all, all of it is stuck in that, that one moment after the after the death because that was the last that's the very last thing he remembers so he's still stuck in that that rage well arguably it's arguably it's not the death though because the last thing he remembers is what he's now created as that's when she died right well that, that's what i'm saying yeah. is the death the, you know that moment yeah. that we keep seeing in the, in the bathroom that's the the death that he's still stuck in and that's why he actually he has a feeling that what teddy's saying is right because he has that brief like the, the actual final memory he has is of her blinking Really, yeah. I think that's what that scene tells us: is that the last thing he actually saw before he maybe passed out, and then he had this condition, is they saw her blinking. So he, he knows deep down that actually, no, that's not when she died. And yeah. like parts of the actual memory of what did happen of now seeped into the Sammy story, and that's where it's sort of went that's in his it. head. I love that he he tells us earlier in the movie that memory is unreliable; things mm. change over time. Because just not intentionally, although in this case, they, it, some of it is clearly intentional. But just if you have a memory, you know, ten years later, you look back at that memory, little details might have changed, but you won't even be aware that they've changed. And arguably, not all of his stuff isn't like obviously the Terry stuff's intentional. The fact that he's taking stuff out of the police report, but the fact that he has own memories like mixed with Sammy's was that intentional? Like, was that something he intentionally tried to condition himself to uh, do, or was? I, I I tend to look at it as yes, it was intentional because it was a, a way to cope. If if he could think of it as someone else killed their wife, and he could think of himself as you know my wife died in a, in an in an attack. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like it's a coping thing. It's it's like I don't think it's an intentional. He tried mm. to condition himself. I think it's that he couldn't. He just couldn't physically handle it. So when he started like waking up or you know his memory reset to help him not feel as terrible, it started to. Yeah. Or, or maybe it was intentional in that he wrote the, you know, John G. raped and murdered my wife. Maybe he started that, and then because he kept seeing that, that's when the memory that, started that, to and change. And that's when it started to stick, and it yeah. changed from there, because that's what he was seeing every day, the repetition. Yeah. And I think that's another well, repetition. It's not just once a day that he's remembering and seeing this. Oh, it's every 20 minutes. Every, you know, every <laughs> 10 minutes, 20 minutes, yeah. whatever. Every, every time he looks in a mirror, it's probably fresh, and, and he'll see it again. And so that repetition will build quicker than normal it's, it's almost it's in a weird way it's all because you know people always say time is cruel and you'd like we only have so much time we should value it and all this idea this movie's almost a weird counterpoint to that it's like no be thankful for time time is actually really well, yeah it's it's like you only feel things you know you only because, progress because of time yeah if we didn't have time if you were stuck in the moment you know, even if it was a good thing, you would never learn, you'd never grow, nothing would ever become anything. Like, there's, you know, there's interesting ideas. Yeah, yeah I think we should, even, even those good moments would probably get warped into something over time, you know, with 
a subtle change here every so often, you know, every little bit, every time you remember it, if, if something's a tiny bit different, you know, over, over a million times remembering it, it would be unrecognizable from the start. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's just, yeah. So it's like you need the time to just have different things as well. Here's here's a question, and this makes the story be sadder as well, if, if this is the case, but do you think the, the whole thing with, you know, when he was telling the story about Sammy and it was his wife, she was intentionally trying to test him when he overdosed her. Do you do you think that his wife did that? Like she actually was trying to test him. I think it's what he thinks she was doing. The cop. Okay, I could see that. But part of me even thinks is it even sadder though if she felt that way. The, the way he talks about uh, the the actress from Fraser, Fraser Crane's crazy manager, because that's the actress that's playing uh, this wife, um, uh, Sammy's wife, not uh, his actual. Yeah, uh, Leonard's wife, uh, but like I, I don't know if like if, if she was actually doing that, if she felt this sad and she believed that deep down in there he could be somehow better, and she was trying to like test him. Uh, does that make it even sadder that that this entire like these two people have been completely destroyed by this condition? Yeah, and do you know what makes it sadder as well? Mm. He kind at some point he's proven her right. Because he has changed those memories, yeah, he has created go. new things, he has remembered. So, eventually, she was on some level right, which makes it really sad. It does. So, yeah. I, I think I don't know if I, I like that idea more than it, it just being him doing it. And I, th- I think I like it more from an emotional point. Yeah, that's very interesting. Hmm. Um, but no. Uh, any other uh, stuff that we've not talked about you want to touch upon? Darth, I think we covered it. I think yeah. it's a it's an excellent movie. It is. It's it's fantastic. If if I'm going to critique it, if I'm going to point at it and go, hey, those things could be better. Um, my only, my only real observation is uh, some of the scenes in the middle of the movie, particularly uh, around the, the waking up in the hotel room where where Dodd is and chasing after Dodd and just before and after those scenes. I do think some of those scenes are really quick, and I was kind of noticing this sort of weird whiplash of going back and forth to the black and white stuff. Like, I almost feel like you could have condensed some of those scenes together and condensed some of the black and white scenes together to make it fewer but longer scenes. It felt like it was going back and forth maybe just a little bit too often. Because especially just given the uh, the pacing setup at the start of the movie and then what it was towards the end. Like just some of the middle, the scenes were just... It's like the moment where he picks up the bottle and goes into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like that scene there is is very short. It, it could have just been the one continuous scene and just connect to the black and white scenes, so that the you know the, mm. the, the, the there was right numbers of both. Um, you, you could have just done that, I think, uh, with a few of them, just just to. I don't. Know, I, I felt the pacing was better when it was longer scenes, which it was at the start and the end. Yeah, it was just in the middle, the, the very very end where it was you know intercutting. Oh, that's the, fine though. But that's yeah, like, yeah. So that's where they're at the same moment. Yeah, but. That middle bit, you're right. They did speed up, like it was building to the climax, but then it wasn't there yet. Yeah. Strange. That, that'd be more one kind of critique, just from a pacing point of view. Is I feel like those scenes felt almost like there wasn't enough meat in them to justify it having a full scene. Like just put them together yeah. into one big. The, scene. the problem is, you want them to have forgotten to have you know all the moments. Yeah, it's, it's, some of them. Yeah, it's, it's like you know that that moment of him. Looking down at the bottle and going, huh, I don't feel drunk. That one, I mean, I, I, like I say, you wouldn't have to condense all of them. You could pick and choose which ones make more sense. Honestly, as funny as that moment is where he's like, he thinks he's chasing Dodd and then he's like, oh no, he's chasing me. 
I think that's one you could do away with and just have him still remember that for the rest of the chase from when it started. Mm. You know, I, th- I think that would be enough, really. Because uh, you have that, it ends with him knowing where he's going, so oh, I'm going to beat you back to your place, yeah, asshole. And that's when he goes and he, he gets ready with the ball. You could just have that be one one big scene rather than yeah, the, I see it. the two or three little ones. So, that, that, I mean, I, I'm looking for kind of things to... I'm trying to play devil's advocate and put my critical critical eye on. Uh, but the char- characters are all interesting. Uh, I think it's got a deeply emotional and sad backbone to it, which I think gives it a lot of weight, uh, beyond just the simple thrills of, oh, what's going on? Why why is he killing people? I think that's it. That that first watch is the, the mystery of what's happened. You know, yeah. like, oh, what's going on? And then the second time and onwards, it's the the emotions behind everything that really give it, you know, the, the longevity that, that the movie has. Uh, it gives you the repeat viewings, it gives you, you know, it is, it's a very, every time I sit down to watch it, I forget how much I actually just enjoy the, the journey of going through it. That was it, because this is, uh, you know, I haven't watched it in four years, maybe. And I was like, yeah, I like this movie, it's it's good. <laughs> and, then, and, then I, and then I put it on, and I was like, oh, I forgot how good it was. Ah, it's great. It's, it's one of the things that I, my, I mean, I, I've I've loved where Nolan's went with his career. I've, you know, I'm a big Batman fan, obviously, so that's great. And then I'm, a, you know, I'll, I'll, I mean, there's there's not a single of his movies that I don't like to some extent, uh, and a lot of them I flat out just love, uh, and I flat out love this one. And if I, if there's one thing that I wish he maybe went back to, not for every movie, but just in terms of something that he's not had for a while, is just this smaller scale feel to it, like. Yeah, everything he's done's been so big and felt so big budget that I cannot, I cannot want him to do something down and dirty again. You kind of want him to challenge himself a bit, just just in a different way. Like you know what? Forget the the hundred, two hundred million dollar budget for one movie. Just go and make something that's twenty, thirty million. Have a tight cast, make a small thriller, and just do something like this again. Like yeah, and and you know movies like they don't take that long to make. Comparatively. Yeah, yeah, com- yeah, comparatively, yeah. So you could churn out one of these quite quickly and then get back to your big ones if you if that, you so wish. That's it. Everything I'm hearing about uh, Dunkirk is that it's uh, up there with his best and that it's incredibly tense and it plays with narrative structure a lot. So I am a lot more excited. I know that I wasn't excited before, but I'm a lot more excited after these this embargo lifted and you know, ninety eight percent is a pretty good score to start off on Rotten Tomatoes. That that, that it is. It's it's hard to complain and it's 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 a it's been a solid summer so far. So. It has, it's, yeah, it really, it really has. Uh, but when we're doing our end of year stuff for the year, uh, comparing it to 2016 is going to be a really interesting, <laughs> interesting little. Uh, yeah, comparison. I think it's, it's it's already across the board probably just better than in, most of 2016. In terms in terms of the mainstream stuff, if you, if you bring in like indies and the smaller yeah. stuff, it's a much more. We'll have to wait until the end of the year before we can actually compare those because most of them tend to come towards the end of the year. But in terms of the mainstream stuff that's out in the summer specifically. Like you know, we we back to back we had Baby Driver, Spider Man, Homecoming, and War for the Planet of the Apes, and then, and then Dunkirk, and then Dunkirk, which obviously I've not seen yet. But but all all like I was actually when I was on Rotten Tomatoes, I noticed at the side they have you know stuff that's still out, and War of the Apes, Spider Man, and Baby Driver were all in the nineties certified fresh. It was insane. Like this this is absolutely insane. We had all these back. Well, I'm I'm trying to think. Last year, the best summerish blockbuster was probably Star Trek. Uh, for us, a lot of people would argue Civil War was better, and that's fair. Oh uh, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Which was which was fine. Like I mean, I, I, yeah. I, as much as I didn't love that, like it is definitely nothing bad about it. Uh, but then otherwise, what did you have? You had Independence Day Resurgence. Uh, yeah. You had 
I think Ghostbusters was okay. It wasn't great, but it was okay. That's moments. That's it. There's a lot of things that were. They're like, yeah, they're all right, but where, where you know, the... here we've had like four legitimately you know, good to great movies in a row. Yeah, the, the, this year, I mean, I think The Mummy and Transformers 5 are the two that stick out as being, oh, the, the, the cynical, shitty, JD Hollywood movies that none of us want. But Yeah, but the, that's the reverse last year where we're saying uh, Civil War was or mostly, you know, Star Trek, yeah. where they're, they're the gems that shine through. Everything else is like, eh, okay. Yeah, last year was the, was the opposite. It was mostly stuff that wasn't worth it and then... This year's most of stuff is good, uh, so that's good. Uh, anyway, that's Memento, so I suppose we should rate it out of out yeah, out, out we of should, shouldn't we? Um, I have no doubt we're going to end up doing all of Nolan's movies at some point because we're both fans, and it just makes sense that eventually we'll have done all these films. But it does so uh, out of ten. Uh, I'm gonna sell with a nine. Nine. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to agree with nine. I think for some people, uh, this is like Nolan's best or one of his best, and for for me, it is up there. Like it's just not not my favorite. It's it's close-ish. But then again, this is a guy where I love most of his movies, so this there's really not. That's it. There's not much between a lot of them, is there? There's not much of a low scale uh, for me, and you know, even the one, even the the very bottom of the, the ladder, we're still talking about a really good solid movie that's just not just doesn't for whatever reason click with me as much as some of the others do so that's kind of where it falls but I, I do love Memento I think it's one of his more inventive films uh, uh, a lot of them are fairly inventive as well um, so no that's Memento so uh, hopefully uh, you enjoyed us rambling on about that and talking about themes and death and loss and regret and whatever else. Uh, like we said, this was the, the winner of the Patreon vote for uh, last month. They always vote for the, the following month uh, over there. Um, the vote for next month, if I recall correctly, is what? Uh, <laughs> oh, 1987. That's what it was. I forgot what the theme was for a second. Yeah. It's all films from 1987. So that's what, that's what uh, patrons are voting on right now uh, for next month. Uh, we've got Risen Arizona in there, Broadcast News, The Untouchables, and good morning, Vietnam. There you go. That's the four. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, one of them will be reviewed next month. Just depends on which one wins. Uh, but if you if you want to go over and vote, you can head over there and have a look at Mailed Fuzz TV. No, sorry, Mailed Fuzz. Sorry, Patreon.com slash Mailed Fuzz TV. I got it out there eventually. Uh, you can have a look over there and see if anything strikes your fancy. Um, but otherwise, guys, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Get us on Twitter at Mailed underscore Fuzz for channel updates and all that kind of thing. Um, but that is us so thank you very much for watching once again keep watching movies and we'll see you next time